This morning is my great privilege uh, to have bring our morning message, Pastor Choco De Jesus, uh, Choco and his wife Elizabeth. Elizabeth was right here, uh, le- helping lead us in songs in our on our worship team today. We love having them a part of our church family, uh, and yet a lot of weekends they're all over the country preaching. Uh, Pastor Choco, I still call him Pastor Choco. He pastored uh, with a group in South Chicago starting with less than 70 people. He built one of the largest churches in our fellowship in the Assemblies of God. And today he's the general treasurer, one of the four executive officers of the Assemblies of God next door. And he's a, he, he, he's a writer. He's a, a world-respected speaker, spoken twice at the Global Leadership Summit. Time Magazine named him uh, nearly 10 years ago, one of the most hundred most influential people in our world. And uh, plus, they are just friends, and, and they are solid gold. And we, we love having them part of the family here, and uh, we honor you, Pastor Choco and Elizabeth, for the wonderful way God is using your lives. And you're, you're gonna hear a marvelous message this morning, so let's open our heart to the Word of God. Let's welcome Pastor Choco. Uh, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year uh, to all of you all and those that are watching online. My wife and I really enjoy, a few weeks ago, uh, the Christmas program on Sunday night, the kids' choir, the choir from the school, and then we really enjoy the candlelight. Very nostalgic for me because back pastoring the church in Chicago for 19 years, every Christmas we would kind of finish it with a candlelight service. And so that, as I was sitting up there with my wife Elizabeth, that was just kind of brought memories to me as we sang Silent Night. And I've always enjoyed this season, the gathering, the coming together. Um, that always enjoy that. But however, I'm also mindful that many of us have experienced great loss in our lives. And, my, and this might be difficult time for you, as it is for me. I lost my mom. Uh, But I pray, I pray that may you feel the strong embrace of your Heavenly Father. May your heart be filled with joy and thought of seeing your loved ones once again in heaven. Many of us are getting ready to get together with our friends and family. May it serve as a reminder of what's to come. Come on, somebody. I'm excited to see my family, no doubt my children, my grandchildren, and not being together for so long to hear the stories and the laughter and the food. Why is it, why is it that the gathering of our friends and family in just a few days brings us joy? Why is that, that it's inside of us? Is it possible that that deep longing for our reunion in heaven, that what we're about to experience in a few days is a foretaste of what's to come. Come on now. So as you gather together around the tree and talk about the birth of Jesus and the kids opening the gift and people laughing and smiling, just pull back for a moment and think, one day there's going to be a great, great welcoming, a banquet. I believe, like you do, that Christmas at the core is about salvation. It's a good place to say amen. Jesus came to save man and free them from sin and death. We know that. Jesus came to save the image 
the image of God. I want to tell you this morning that the devil doesn't care how much money you have in your account. He doesn't care about your education. All he cares to do is destroy the image because you remind him of your father, your heavenly father. And he doesn't like how you look. So he tries to destroy that image. The birth of Christ, for me, is about restoring the Imago Dei. Restoring what was broken. Restoring the image of God. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like some people just won't change, Pastor Choco? Some people just won't change. They're hurtful and not helpful. They're always discouraging and not encouraging. They're negative and never positive. And if we're truthful, we can almost feel like some people perhaps are hopeless, you would say. It's just difficult to see. But thank God. Thank God for the birth of Jesus. And thank God for the good news. That God in his infinite mercy and grace redeems those that are in Christ Jesus. It is possible, listen to me church, it is possible to be helpful and encouraging and positive because you were made, you were created, you were formed in the Imago Dei. I realize in the world we live in, in the culture that we live in, that there is a bombardment of false anthropology, an unbiblical theology of the human race. Questions like, who are we? Are we flesh? Are we blood? Are we spirit? Are we our thoughts or our souls? Where did we learn who we are? But as Christians, as believers, we know who we are. By the word of God. But there are other ways that we can know. Our bodies have the evidence we need to know who we are. The very fingerprint of God. We're not random creations. Come on, somebody listen to me this morning. We're not random creations. We're made with a blueprint. There's a plan that God has for you. And this is how I know every life on planet earth, every life has a value. This year, my wife and I received an early Christmas gift. Wilfredo Noah de Jesus was born on December 5th, just a few weeks ago. So if you see us after service anxious to leave, it's because we're going to start packing. Because for the first time, we'll be able to hold our grandson. You can look at this tiny human being and you can know that his life is valuable. You don't need to know his name. You don't need to know his parents, his upbringing, his education. But you can say without a shadow of a doubt, with confidence, that he has value and dignity because he was created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. And the message today, this morning, I just want to remind you before you leave here today. I just want to remind each and every one of you and those that are watching online of a high calling of our inherited divine nature and the value placed on every human life. No matter your race, no matter if you're male or female, married or single, or your economic status, 
We are equal in the eyes of God because we are all created in the Imago Dei. The word image in Hebrew means copy, if you're taking notes. Hebrew in Hebrew means copy. Likeness in Hebrew means modeled or shaped after. Put those two words together, you get an image and a likeness. We discover that man was made, watch this, man was made as a copy of God to resemble God. Like God, but not God. I know there are people today that feel like they're gods, but we're not gods. We have the image of God. The Bible says in Genesis 1, 26, 27, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Watch this. The Imago Dei is a theological term referring to a foundational relationship between God and man. It's God transferring himself to man so that man can operate, you can operate, you can operate, you can operate here in Springfield, Missouri, similar to how he operates in heaven. My God. Since God is now flesh, the image we were created in his reflective in how God sees himself operates because God is, we are spiritual beings, church. Because God is, we are emotional beings, creative beings. We're relational beings. We are moral beings. Watch this. This image gives us each worth and value and purpose. I'm talking to somebody here this morning. You have value. You have a purpose here on planet earth. Maybe your daddy didn't have a plan for you or your mother didn't have a plan for you, but God says you have value and you have a purpose. And with that knowledge, church, with that knowledge comes responsibility to uphold and to represent that image in Springfield, Missouri, and if you're watching across this nation or around the United States, we have a responsibility to uphold the Imago Dei. I like what Greg Boyd says. He says, the Christian job is to agree with God that every person you meet was worth Jesus dying for. You see, being made in God's image is also about God's purposes in the world. God has a divine purpose for each if you get anything out of this sermon today, hear me out. God has a divine purpose with each and every person here this morning. You hear me? Every single one of you here at the sound of my voice, God has a divine plan for you being here on planet Earth. In your mother's womb, he formed you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, in those plans. That means that God's purpose for each and every one of us is to be transformed in our character so that we may be fully reflected the character of God, being conformed to the image of God. He wants us to be like him. He wants us to love like him. Come on. The two greatest commandments in the Bible is to love God and to love each other. 
He wants us to value him and he wants us to value his creation. Therefore, any form, watch this, I like what Tony Evans says. He says, any form of racism, discrimination, or oppression is not only a social issue, but is a sin at the core. So let's begin this Christmas season. Let's begin to treat each other as image bearers. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, let's become image bearers of Jesus Christ here in Springfield, Missouri. That when people see you at Walmart or at Target, wherever you're doing your last shopping, they see Jesus. Because we're image bearers, people made in the image of God Almighty. And let's begin to value the God in us. Watch this. Let's begin to value the God in us by representing him well. Are you with me? In 2006... Some of you may remember this. Michael Vick, first quarterback to rush for 1,000 yards. Back in the day, quarterbacks would just throw the ball. Now they're running for their lives. <laughs> Although that season, Michael Vick's team didn't have a winning season. They were 7-9. But that particular year, Michael Vick won and received $25.4 million from Nike and Rawlings. In 2006, a year later, one year later in 2007, Michael Vick became broke and filed for bankruptcy because Michael Vick, Rawlings and Nike says, we cannot have you be our image bearer with dogfighting. It's been estimated because of what happened in the removal of those contracts that Michael Vick lost $142 million. When you and I represent someone, everything you do reflects that person. So when I go across the country, I represent the Assemblies of God, but I also represent my wife. I represent my children. I've been told, I've been told, Pastor Choco, the height you have is from your grandfather. The nose you have is from your mother. The way you walk is from your uncles. And I'm thinking to myself, is there anything that I have that's mine? <laughs> but everything you do, watch this, everything you do reflects on that person. God created humanity to represent him and to, to declare his glory. The command to be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 1 was a command to spread God's glory as image bearers to the ends of the earth. Sadly, sadly we have abdicated this high calling, bringing shame upon the image of God Thankfully that our failures is not the end of the story. That through the work of the birth of Jesus, through the work of his son, God is in the process. Look at me, church. God is in the process of restoring what got ruined. Every human being is valuable because we're created in the image of God. Why, why is that in Mount Vernon Estate in Virginia, that they preserved a national monument and treated with great worth? 
Why is that? I mean, there are other plantations that are bigger than this, more beautiful homes than this. But why is this home so valuable? It's not because of the size. For sure it's not. It's because it belonged to George Washington, the first president of the United States. We value the home in Mount Vernon because we treasure, watch this, we treasure the owner. How much more should we care about people made in God's image? We value people, watch this, we value people because we treasure their maker. The same way we were not to think to, right to destroy this national monument, we were not to think right to mistreat God's treasure's possessions. Man, you, my friends, this morning, man was so valuable that there was a special meeting. If you're part of the Royal Ranger program, there was a powwow called in heaven. God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit got together. So let us make man in our image. I like what Warren Risby said. He says, he says, it sounds like a conclusion to a divine deliberation. That there was a huddle. There was a huddle and said, I'm going to create you. 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 God took time and he made you. When we reduce the beginning of human life to primordial soup or good development from the theory of evolution, we distort the Imago Dei and we distort our value. That's why I like what the prophet Jeremiah said. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nation. I like what Psalms 139.13 says, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. We were created in the image of God. But that image was distorted, number two. The image of God in man has been marred by sin. When the people of Israel, look at me church, when the people of Israel left Egypt and they went into the wilderness and uh, Pastor Moses went up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, it took the people of Israel just 40 days, 40 days to build an idol calf. I mean, the pastor was just gone for 40 days. And I started thinking to myself, where did these people get this idea from? Why a calf? Why build an image? Here it is. Here's my interpretation. I think they learned it in Egypt. And here's the ticket. It could be learned. Let's be honest. Many of us create Christmas, and that becomes an idol. How many of us have Christmas, but we never once talked about Jesus? We made the Christmas tree. Don't get me wrong, I have one too. We made the, the gifts, and I have that too. Nothing wrong with that. But don't you forget, my friends, and those that are watching online, that Christmas is about Jesus, the Son of the living God coming to restore the image that was distorted. Why is it that in our humanity, in our humanity, that there's a need to have an image before us? Because left to ourselves, we will fill that gap with our own images. Would it be money? Would it be dreams, spouse, children? Children can become an image. 
I thank God for my three kids. I thank God for my six grandchildren. But I don't worship them. There's only one person I worship. I've been thinking a lot about Christmas and how that's been distorted. And some people, even Christians, believers, can hold and value Christmas as a tradition. We must not forget that Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is about salvation to man. Reminds me of a story of a mom with two kids went to the mall. She went out Christmas shopping with her two children. And after many hours looking after row after row after row of, of uh, toys and everything else imaginable. And having her two kids saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. Finally, the mother was just so frustrated and she had bags of gifts and takes the two kids to the elevator and, of the mall, waits for it. The doors open, and yep, you guessed it right, the elevator was full of people. But she squeezed in with her two kids. She squeezed, get in, get in, get in, get in. And the doors closed. Boom. She took a deep breath and like, she said, um, whoever, whoever created this, we should kill them. A small voice in the back of the elevator said, uh, we already did. We killed them. When Christmas when Christmas is about everything except Jesus, we continue to kill it. Think about this for a moment. Let's remember that Christmas is about the birth of Christ and our salvation. And that the image, that is the image we should treasure. Ephesians 4 says this, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from, from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to their hardening of their hearts. Watch this, verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality to, as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Here we see that, we're, that when we are not reflecting the image of God, and we reflect a mind without the understanding, we have a hardened heart and a broken relationship with God. The phrase, losing all sensitivity, in the Living Bible is translated this way. Watch this. They don't care anymore about what's right and wrong. Boy, I pray that this Christmas, with your loved ones, that you would teach them what's the right thing about Christmas. Before we lose all sensitivity. I wonder why. I wonder why that the Israelites fashioned an idol of a calf. And not a, not a lion. Why a calf? Why not a, a bull? Because they learn. They learn from Egypt. And we will learn what we see. Our children will learn what we teach them. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We must focus this Christmas that it's about Jesus. And Jesus coming to planet earth to restore the image that's been distorted. There are many friends of ours, family members that you and I know, they're walking on, in Springfield or they're walking across this nation broken. Because you're learning this morning that the devil wants to destroy the image. Because you reflect your father.
you reflect your father. Years ago, Elizabeth and I, we had the fortunate enough to visit Rome and we toured the Vatican City. One of the most memorable visits was St. Peter's Basilica, where we saw the most beautiful work of art. Some of you have probably been there. The moment you walk into this beautiful church, you are immediately drawn to the architecture of the church itself and the stained glass windows. But when we made a right turn, y'all, there was La Pieta. Beautiful. How many have ever seen this? Anybody ever seen this? There was La Pieta. Sculpture by Michelangelo in 1499. Mary holding her son. Jesus. I mean, when you first see it, Elizabeth and I, we just stood at awe and just like took it in. Mother holding her son. And maybe in Mary's mind, I didn't say this in the first service because I got more time here. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Mary, maybe Mary was reflecting when she first held him when he was born. And here's my son. Michelangelo did a great job. But I don't know if you know this, in 1972, in 1972, an unemployed geologist from Hungary, Laszlo Toth, jumped over the railing of the museum and with a hammer gave it to 12 blows, knocking off the nose, the ears, the cheek, the left eye of Mary. It seemed like the Pieta, this priceless work of art, was lost forever. But the image, the image that Jesus Christ came in Christmas was to restore that which is lost. And 1 Corinthians 15.45 tells us that Jesus is the second Adam. In the Garden of Eden, that image was restored. Jesus comes to restore that. In other words, he will restore the damaged goods, the distorted image. When La Pieta was damaged, its exhibitors were forced to debate, what should we do? What should we do? And here are some of the options. Let me give it to you this morning. Here are some of the options of the exhibitors. Number one, they said, leave it alone. Leave it the way it is, broken nose, messed up eye, cheek. Leave it alone. Let it reflect. Let it reflect the violence in our culture. That was option one. Just leave it alone. Option two was, it was suggested to alter the original. To repair with visible seams. As a reminder of this grave assault on La Pieta. One, leave it alone. Broken nose, messed up cheek. Two, let's... uh, Let's put it back together, but let the scenes be shown that there was a great assault. Option three, they said, said, uh, let, let's restore it with seamless restoration. This was the suggestion that the exhibitor says, let's take that one. Let's restore it. Look at me. Let's restore it like nothing ever happened. That was the suggestion. And they went with that one. They restored La Pieta. Let me show you. Here's what happened. Obviously, the one on your right is the restoration. The one on the left was the 12 blows that this man gave. That said, let's restore it seamless. 
that you can never. And when you now go there to see La Pieta, it's now covered by a bulletproof case. You can never hurt it again. You can never come at it again because it's protected. Come on, somebody. Some of you know where I'm going with this. When you come to Jesus Christ, when you come to Jesus Christ and you're covered by the blood of the Lamb, and he puts you back together, he puts your marriage back together, your relationship with your children, it would be like seamless, like there was never a problem. Glory to God. Ten months, y'all, ten months it took to repair La Pielta. It went back on display. And Jesus Christ restored the image of God in us. Not with visible scenes, but with invisible scene, seamless. When you and I place our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ, you can be renewed and you can keep the divine nature from distortion. Second Peter 1.4 says this, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. My friends, this morning, it's possible. Listen to me, church. Pastor Choco, is it possible to be put back together? Seamless? Yes. It's possible to restore and renew the image of the Creator. That's why we celebrate Christmas, because Christ came as a baby to restore what was broken in the Garden of Eden. So you and I can have salvation. Would you stand with me for a moment? Let me finish here. Stand with me for a moment.